0: Philosophy, Descartes, debate, the Mepropod, mapper Mepperpod, the awesomest discussion podcast in the history of the human species.
1: Oh. Yeah. Let me tell you, I've an interview with an old man emu He's got a beak and feathers and things But the poor old feather ain't got no wings Aren't you jealous of the witch tailed eagle? Um, well, the eagle's flying round and round To keep me two feet firmly on the ground Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you I can run the pants of a kangaroo He can't fly, but I'm telling you He can run the pants of a kangaroo <s3>
0: All right, in that case... <laughs> Welcome oh. to MEP Report number one forty five. Start the show. January okay, eleventh 2016. The start show the has start. been started. You cannot stop the madness. You can't stop the show either. Happy okay. New Year, everybody. Happy New Year picture confetti uh picture uh you know the ball dropping the whole business it's it's officially as we're recording this the first show of 2016 so gentlemen let me be the very first to uh to uh the very first (laughs) in this recording to wish you (laughs) The first. (laughs) and let me
2: be the first to wish everyone listening a happy ides of march (laughs) i know right (laughs) that is when you're listening (laughs) Um,
0: no i imagine we'll get this up by february i think that's a pretty safe bet i think i think february is fairly safe so we will, we will do that. So, uh, yes, yeah, so a happy new year, guys. And uh, before, and I guess I want to ask before anything else, um, I want to ask Story, what was the final yes. number? Because I haven't checked on Facebook. And so I wondered what the final really? luminary number is. That's largely because I'm never 000. on Facebook. So it was a lot easier
3: 223.
0: I'm sorry, the Roll- twenty-three That was the number. 1,223. I thought, I thought you
2: said 223, and I thought that you would like had a sprained ankle in the middle. I know. Of <laughs> That's what I thought he no, said,
3: no. too. Okay, 1,000 1, was hanging there for a while.
0: 1,223. 1,223.
3: Which it, was, which it w- was observed shortly thereafter really should have been 1224 because the day that it is held is Christmas Eve, which is 1224, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't think about it.
0: Well, Absolutely. it's fortunately it's for you, like, you don't really I'm pay attention involved. to things like milestones and and Plus, symbols right, and simple. your fingers so. have been ground off by sand at bag work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this breaks your record, your previous record by how it much? It does by about
3: a hundred. Wow. Uh, not not a shattering of the record, just an, an edging an edging of the record an edging Can I ask of the ask a record
2: question at, at this point knowing that you're attempting to beat your own record every year do you find yes. yourself uh no pun intended uh sandbagging at the
0: I end was just, of uh-huh.
3: your god damn it i was gonna build a, i was gonna say no i don't do that that would be sandbagging <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know why because uh... he's got it in the bag yeah, yeah. what's up but seriously uh, do you do that anticipating no. next year
3: Well, no, because I beat the last last year. I did it by like five hundred. So I like if I'd wanted to build up, I would be going like fifty or hundred at a time. This year, I was actually not totally attached to um, to breaking the record. I was like, yeah, we'll do like a thousand, two hundred somewhere in there. Maybe we'll get the record. Maybe we won't. I wasn't like you know. I mean, I was motivated to do it, and it's exciting. But I wasn't like you know, must get record. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't broken the record every year that I've done it. There have been a couple of years that I've sort of, you know, backtracked a little bit. The weather is also a major factor. So the weather actually was somewhat miraculous this time because wind is the worst possible thing for Luminarius. I can't imagine and why
2: paper bags uh, filled with fire 25 mile an hour
0: average would not go well with wind. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. That's just the well, second part, which is the floating Chinese lantern yeah. show.
3: <laughs> right, right. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, and that's happened before, but uh, but both the day before and after Christmas Eve were 25-mile-an-hour sustained winds. But uh, it was only six miles an hour on Christmas Eve itself, so we got very lucky. Wow. It's very exciting.
2: Yeah. Weren't there also massive blizzards going on in Albuquerque at this time, or was that not?
3: Uh... Uh, yeah. It snowed very heavily two days later on the 26th. Uh, we got, like, we were supposed to get, like, a foot or six inches or eight inches or something. We got, like three or four which is still a lot for albuquerque but it wasn't anything lubbock which never gets snow uh which we drove through back to new orleans Uh, we went through austin we went through lubbock and we actually had to stop for the night in lubbock because they got gotten a foot and a half and the the entire town just frozen solid like nobody knew what to do with snow there there aren't even plows in texas like they had to ship them in from somewhere else
0: and it proves this that global is totally warming is bad. not a thing because it was cold so therefore the the planet as a whole cannot be warmer if you were individually cold that night
3: you can go back to fox Says man, <laughs> throwing a snowball in the House of
2: Congress. Yes,
0: James James Inhofe, the clown. Um. So okay, well that's cool. So now, now I also want to ask did you get did you get the news coverage? Because I feel like part of the issue here, as we've been no, talking my about, my
3: guy, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, we, we, you know, I know you have your own connection now with with local news, but I feel like in our sort of desire, as we talked about a few shows ago, of wanting to be on Russia Today and stuff, we need to continually expand the base. So I think I think we need to kind of have you featured more often on like BBC or, or just, you know, kind of like international presence, I think is really significant. Maybe make it Olympic sport, you know, things like that are part of what we need to do here.
3: Yeah, my guy moved to Portland is the problem, so uh, I did like not Like the have Luminaria
0: beat guy at the local news? Yeah, he
3: was, <laughs> he was my designated reporter. I mean, my connection, I'm sure I could have called people up again. I was really just sort of underprepared for this year in general. Like, I had to do all the bag folding in New Orleans because I got in much later. Because I don't have an academic job anymore, so my job, like, I had to work closer to Christmas than normal. So we got in, and we drove because... Gas prices are basically negative right now. Like they pay you to take gas yep. away, because yep. that would be great. And and airplane prices have not changed at all. Even though when all of the plane prices were skyrocketing, they told us it was because fuel prices are so high. We have to raise the rates, and they Crazy, haven't come down like a penny. <laughs> and even though gas is down by you know seventy five percent, so. Yeah. So that's uh, so we drove. And so that took up some time also. So I didn't do a lot of the prep work of, you know, I was going to write to Reed Candle Company and try to get them to send me free candles or at least wholesale candles didn't happen. There were a lot of things on the to do list that just kind of ran out of steam because I've been been working a lot, but uh, but still got the record. So, yeah. Yeah. So no, my guy my guy will be in New York and probably, you know, I figure he's got like five or seven years. He's climbing the ladder. He'll probably be a national figure before it's over. You know, he started out in Nebraska, worked two years in Nebraska, did two years in Albuquerque. He's in Portland now. He'll probably go to, like, Chicago next, and then New York. He's definitely
0: upgrading cities, I agree. Yeah, and yeah, we'll exactly. Get we'll get to New York, and then then at that point, I can call him up, and I can be like, hey, you know, I'm like, I have this connection with this person at the luminaries. He's like, wow, awesome. Do you do stuff like that? And I'm like, no, I don't do luminaries, but I just want to tell you that I know this person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, then we'll just sort of awkwardly <laughs> sit there in silence, and then I'll say, that this has been good talking to you, and then I'll I'll hang up, so. That's that's how that'll go. <laughs> I like um, the,
2: yeah. the narrative that just one day he'll be in a national news studio, just hard up for a story, and he's just like racking yeah. his brain. He's like, "What do the people want?" It's like,
0: "What do they want?" Luminarians. I <laughs> know that yes. guy. Well, because you got to remember, right? Like the way that this narrative works is that he gets he gets everything he ever wanted, and then he realizes. Big twist! It wasn't everything he ever wanted, and what he really loved was doing the human interest <laughs> stories at the luminaries backed in Albuquerque. And and you know, this is the romantic because comedy of this a romantic news romantic reporter's comedy, life. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then he once he learns that he stops having to repeat every day, and he gets to date in and for the rest of his, his life. And then he just tears his
3: microphone off and starts running to Albuquerque. <laughs> right. I
0: and he hikes I there to the to the music really behind him, wanted. and there's sometimes you know what you really want. He has some independent so, so, song.
2: This is stories like the equivalent of like the ice cream shop in Groundhog Day just something <laughs> exactly. that Bill Murray enjoys doing but after he does it 100,000 times he learns the real value
0: of it. He learns it. the real value of it and then he gets to date Andy McDowell and let me tell you vintage Andy McDowell Groundhog Day was a, was not a bad person to want. I mean yep. at the time, you know. Hot. Hot, very hot, yeah. But uh, but uh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on breaking the record. I am I'm not surprised. Um, I am uh, I'm not surprised. And I I did think about you uh, during the 23rd and the 24th because I was thinking about how many luminaries I actually brought it up to Senaveen, and she was like, because I told her about it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he lights all these candles, and she's like wow she's like and, and he just lights them so he puts the candles in the bag and he lights them and i was like yeah and then she puts them he puts them all and for some reason something about the roof came up so she's like he puts them all yeah. over the roof i'm like i don't think he puts them all like in the chimney i, and I, I was like i don't think over, this is how <laughs> so i think she had this image that yeah, like your no, entire really parents house thing. was a towering inferno of like <laughs> <laughs> of, of like luminaries is that did you place them <laughs> pretty like, close is actually. it yeah <laughs>
3: yeah they're all over the roof there's like 300 because normally so the the other big setback that i had this year was that because it was so windy the day before normally i do the roof layout on the 23rd Um, uh, because the roof layout takes a lot more time and is a lot more fiddly and um you don't want to rush things on roofs just in general in life it's not a great yes. idea yeah so um yeah so but it was too windy so i had to do all of the roof on the 24th also so i had to take them all up at once uh, beforehand, and there was about 300, 350 on the roof. So, wow, so a lot of them. Go on the roof. There's a lot on the roof and on the chimney. Not in the chimney. No, that would not work. that, but, uh, that wouldn't uh, work. Chimney, so, do you know
2: those, uh, do you know those uh, mailmen? Have you ever seen them where they're like in the back room and they're just like flinging envelopes into slots yeah. with uh, robotic efficiency? That's how I picture Story setting up the luminarians. <laughs> yeah, where yep. He's just like throwing bags of fire and they're landing perfectly in like different parts of the and, property.
0: And they're all set. They're all set to the music from the Warner Brothers cartoon that would involve the factory, which is the yeah, dun, exactly. dun 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 dun. dun yeah, it is
3: it is as far from this as you could possibly imagine. It is I have a stick out there to precisely measure the distance between them. It's a very long
0: and exacting process. So somehow I actually believe that's true. I really do believe that's true. I believe what you just said is much more true.
2: Setup time versus placement time versus enjoyment time.
3: Um well, the enjoyment time of the entire audience is infinite. So, uh, uh, no. Uh, so let's see. Creation yeah, time. Well, you, you start you start Trace folding this. bags like a month <laughs> a month beforehand, and then setup starts. Well, you have to make them. That's probably the better part of two days. Then layout is normally a day and a half, but crammed it all into a day. Today and that's from basically dawn till dusk. I was gonna say so normal- twenty four
2: hours of lay bag laying <laughs> no, or no, like no. it's a day. Okay. No, 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 no. Normally it's it's, it's like gone. a montage.
0: The sun goes down and he's laying bags, <laughs> and it comes up the next day, exact same <laughs> spot. He's still laying bags.
3: No, so today, like, well, this how long year, did the candles last? Fifteen hours. Okay. Those are Reed brand candle company candles. They're excellent. Um, so, because you don't light them until dusk. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, so they they stay throughout the night. So so normally I have like a a two-hour break between the end, like sort of in mid-afternoon waiting for dusk once they've been all laid out. But because I didn't have the extra early day, I was up probably an hour before dawn and worked straight through until lighting. And then lighting takes – lighting's the fastest by far. Lighting takes like an hour and a half. And then – uh enjoyment is all night so that continues to to blow my mind
0: i remember we talked about this last year and my image continues Mm -hmm. to be of you just taking a flamethrower over the entire luminaria set and just be like all right boys well it's a
3: it's a butane (laughs) torch so it's not far off not too far off
0: um and then uh what was i gonna say there was i was gonna ask something else about the um about the the weather, because you said that. I mean, mm-hmm. you. I, it occurs to me: Have there been years where you haven't been able to do it just because of the wind? I mean, like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, so. yeah,
3: no. About three years ago, I had I was set up for being close to a record, but then right around lighting time, the wind really picked up, and they all blew off the roof. Um, all of them blew off the roof, and then while lighting them at the bottom, there were probably about seventy bag fires. So lost about 70 bags on the ground. Everyone, basically the whole display, because the whole neighborhood does it, half the city does it, not half the city, but a a fair portion of the city does it. And uh, the whole display, bus tours, whatever. The bus tour sold out in eight minutes this year, which was wow. Used to be two hours or something. So it sold out in record eight minutes online this year. but three years ago, totally wiped out. nobody nobody bothered to relight. I was out there relighting when the wind calmed down about three hours later. So I ended up having maybe like 500 as a functional display, which is pretty paltry for me. But basically, at other places you were lucky to see like two bags that were still lit because when the wind kicks up at lighting time, that's the worst because that's when the flame is highest and then it's most vulnerable to actually flaming out so
0: is there ever like a fire inspector who's like um you can't <laughs> like, I just no. had this image, like, dry conditions, no. fire, wind. I don't know. I...
3: No, it's like, um, I mean, people lose bushes sometimes. I don't think anyone's lost a house in a really long time. But, you know. So, you know, because people are around. People are monitoring it, especially in the neighborhoods where it happens a lot. You have hundreds and hundreds of people walking around. And it's just one of those things. It's like, I don't know. It's like canceling the balloon fiesta because there's fires in the
0: balloons. Like, No, I'm glad. I just am shocked like, yeah. that, that there hasn't, that, that sort of the litigious quality of society I, Hasn't led to be like, nope, sorry, can't have fun. Yeah,
3: like balloon you know. fiesta kills a couple of people every year. Like it happens, you know. It's just it's you know. part of the fiesta. Exactly. Yeah, it's like the running of the bowls, except a lot safer. <laughs>
0: very nice very nice well congratulations that's uh that's tremendous um and uh so and so were you back in new orleans by the time the new year hit or were you Uh, i was
3: in austin for new year's with Uh. a few friends and then uh we actually had my uh my good friend fish who i've talked about at times on the show Mm -hmm. was in from london he and his wife and they were gonna fly from albuquerque to austin but because there was snow in albuquerque and tornadoes over half the country and all sorts of madness on the 28th or 29th, whenever we left, uh, they ended up, we were an hour outside of Albuquerque driving to Austin separately from them. And they called us and had us turn around and come back and pick them up. So we crammed four people's luggage for a two week trip. theirs being from the UK and the four of us into the mighty Prius. So outstanding. It was, it was a squeeze. And then we ran into ice and in Lubbock and had to stop, but, uh, but yeah, it was it was a it was an adventure. Of so cool. the the kind of adventure people don't have these days and their overplanned GPS lives. So it That's good.
0: That, and they're and they're and they're the lesser for it. That's good. That's good. I agree. So I agree. uh Russ, how was your new year? Uh it was
2: fine. It was pretty low key. I learned this year that LA people who celebrate New Year's by watching something have to watch the New Year's uh the New York Times Square. No, only idiots do
3: that. You should never stand for I'm that. Like,
2: why are we watching before. something that's 3 a.m. Eastern right now? I don't understand. That is <laughs> that's that's the going celebration that you mark your, your calendar by. Nothing
3: makes me angrier than people doing that. I have, I have we, seriously does had... Does that like have anything like to, do to do with long? how much you
2: hate New York City as
0: a whole? Like, I can't imagine.
3: I mean, so <laughs> that is the, only the second largest factor. The largest factor by far, dwarfing that, is how completely self-defeating it is to be observing a moment in time that is literally entirely about the passage of an actual moment of time on a tape delay. That makes no sense oh oh tape delay yes okay i'm with you on that
0: see i was seeing it live so
3: oh no 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 No, it's fine for the east coast if you're if you're in eastern time feel free to watch the ball drop that's fine
0: yeah the tape delay is stupid
3: i agree with that that. i'm saying if you are in pacific time or central time or any other time on the planet and you're watching the ball drop as an event as your way of counting down the new year's I will hunt you
0: down. Not well, the friend. thing I've never understood is why can't you just count down the time to your no, own time? This really time? makes me angry. Like, like, <laughs> leave out the tape delay. Why can't you just count down the time it's for your like, own time? What
2: name things that can make a pacifist go rogue? Like, uh, no, I, genocide, you... torture, <laughs> celebrating New no. Year's on tape delay. You
0: watched on tape delay, roar!
3: <laughs> I, I seriously, I have ruined people's New Year's over their desire to do this by how angry and like frustrated. Stop myself. having fun but they're about to start counting down
0: no it already happened it it happened three
3: hours ago (laughs) I will kill you
0: the only time that we actually did that when I was out um, in Seattle celebrating this was the year 2000 because it was fun to actually watch all the if you remember all the idiocy about the Y2K bug and how it was going to destroy everything so we got to watch as time zone after time zone changed over and did not collapse into anarchy and destruction and like I even remember Geraldo Rivera reporting on it and being very depressed That like apparently all society hadn't collapsed with the advent of 2000. So that was kind of amusing to watch people be proven wrong over and over and over again. But watching something on tape delay is intensely stupid. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't I don't know that I'd get angry about it, but it's it's (laughs) definitely dumb. Um, and I just don't understand it like it's not like LA isn't a large enough city that it couldn't do st- cool stuff on its own why can't it have its, own, its own ball drop you like i think mean lots of you know? cities have cool stuff
3: yeah. seattle used to have the elevator go up the space needle yeah i remember that yeah.
0: and they have and the yeah. fireworks off the top of the space yeah. needle i've seen that it's good great. why not do that i don't get i don't get what the big deal is about the ball dropping you know I for other people
2: for me i and despite the fact that this is a, like a lifetime uh, tradition but yeah just the fact that you're celebrating anything and then you have to turn on the television to be informed about the thing that you're <laughs> celebrating it's is somehow offensive to me yeah I mean, it's like look we we have watches we have timepieces we have phones to tell time we know when the new year happens we don't need uh you know the ghost of uh, what's this? ted clark dick clark, clark is dick
0: clark who's no longer there yeah ryan seacrest now yeah
2: yeah the- the ghost of Christmas future to tell us what year it is. (laughs) What year is it, Dick (laughs) Clark? How exciting the first eight seconds of the new year is going to be based on the outfits of the people. and Like, I don't understand the whole
0: thing. And let me tell you, the crew that does this every year gets weirder and weirder and weirder. Like, the latest crew was like, I recognized Carrie Underwood and I recognized Jenny McCarthy and Ryan Seacrest. And then there were a bunch of people I did not recognize at all. There was, like, this one dude who looked va- – I guess he was a rapper of some kind. But he basically just seemed to be on stage to be, like, sort of – to have, like, a bottle of something and then to be taking selfies. and, oh. and be- So they would be I like, Carrie that. Underwood, what do you think about this? And he's like, ah, I, was like, I have no idea who this is. Who is he had that? He nothing to say either. They're like, no. Any
2: comments about the new year? He's like, yeah, it's so new. And a uh, year. It's, it's a year.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> selfie. I'm like, who are you? Like, who, who is this person? Um. But yeah, yeah. So, uh, so okay. So it was low key. So you did the flip on the TV thing, and what else did like?
2: Well, we'd already done our traveling um, about a week before Christmas. We went to Florida and Georgia right. uh, to visit family peoples, and so we uh, we spent. See, this is, and I, I probably, I'm sure there are recordings of me complaining about Christmas on the. Oh, 4th. I can't imagine. <laughs> no, perhaps <laughs> that <laughs> never
3: happened. But
2: uh, just, I really. I think at this point, and I probably also said this before, that I I'm just content to kind of bunker myself and take shelter so that nothing terrible can happen again on Christmas. Right. And that's just <laughs> makes me feel good. But that's it's why just...
0: I didn't ask you about Christmas. I you notice okay. I explicitly asked you about Happy New Year. I, yeah.
2: I... They're just very okay. prox you know, they're adjacent these two things. And so Yeah, so I feel like typically there's so many reasons that I don't like Christmas, but the it's the, you know, being uh, an exclusionary thing from the time that I was as long as I can remember that like you don't do this you don't believe in the thing that these people are doing this you're told as a child that this thing that the other children are excited about is fiction like <laughs> all this <laughs> stuff and then actual horrible things happening to me on christmas as an adult and so now I just and then as an beyond the bunkering down it's just the I enjoy, like, I'm happiest in life when I feel like I'm being productive and I'm engaged and I'm doing the things I like. And I can't do any of those things during the holiday season because everyone is hunkering down in a bunker doing whatever Christmas things that you do, presumably traveling or whatever. And I'm just like, I can't do shows. Nobody, there are
0: no shows. I can't go do anything. Just sit here. I have to say, you know, every time Russ tells this, and we hear every year on the Met Report and elsewhere, we get this this, uh, description. And I have mentioned on multiple occasions, Story will appreciate this. Uh, And still, Russ continues to forget the time that we played um, Ponga Golf. On New Year's Eve, because I was because I was si- I was in Seattle, sick as a dog, and so Clea and my wife, uh, well, you know Clea, Clea, everybody knows Clea on the Mepro board. Uh, Clea and um, uh, her mom had gone over to see the relatives in eastern Washington, and so Russ and I ended up playing ponga golf, like to sort of ring in the New Year, and that never gets brought up. You would think that that would stand out as a moment of of wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. how that's, did
3: that I'm not sure. compensate for years of disappointment? <laughs> exactly, yeah. like that's holidays. what I'm saying. That's, that's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure
2: that that was one of my top five. No sarcasm <laughs> at all. Probably, top yeah. Five New Year's as <laughs> ever. Oh my god. Easily. <laughs> that's um, all you really need to
0: know. Oh <laughs> gosh. <laughs> uh, Panga. It's Panya. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. it's Panya. Panya. That's right. That's yeah. right. Panya. Yeah. Panya. Worst game ever. That is <laughs> a.
2: One of the first freemium games that I ever got addicted to because it seemed like, it's like you have, this, have the same attitude. Like, oh, this is a silly game. This is dumb. I'll screw around. Three weeks later, oh, I need the fourth three iron with the red <laughs> handle. It's only, oh, it's only 5,000 points. Or I could just yep. buy it for 75 cents. Yeah. Yep. My time is worth this much. Yep. Cash in. Oh, now I'm personally invested in this game with my own money. That's Broke it. That's it. Yeah. So,
0: so this was so, but so nothing terrible happened this Christmas. It was just standard, like, right? It, it was, it was just, it was fine. I, how fewer terrible things can happen to you when you're
2: sitting at home with like a blanket over your head and the door locked? Like <laughs> <laughs> the blanket accidentally smothered you. Sadly, it was a smallpox blanket. And is it, uh, is it done yet? Is it over? Is it the twenty sixth? Is it secret? Is it? Safe? <laughs>
0: That's funny. Oh man. Okay. All right. Well, you well, while you guys were doing that. I actually had one of the more busy happy uh New Years I've had for a while. Uh involving uh we went to um to friends of ours, basically friends of uh my daughter Senavine's her class. So there were a few people that uh, the parents uh, had a New Year's party, so they invited us over. And this was the first year that the kids were old enough that they could actually stay up and long enough to watch. So they actually got to watch the ball drop and she did. She she watched the whole thing, which was very exciting for her. And, um, and I got to play for the second time in my life. It was a very good time. We had fun. I got to play for the second time in my life, again feeling bad about it, Cards Against Humanity. Now, I'm sure both of you know what Cards Against Humanity is. And some, maybe most people in our audience will know what Cards Against Humanity is. This is a game that uh, if you win it, you feel dirty. Like, you feel very bad for having won it. It's not a game where victory occurs. It's not a game where you feel like you can brag about it. You can't tweet about it. You can't really even tell anybody except the public on a podcast. But you know what I'm saying. Like, you basically can't <laughs> tell anybody what what happened. And so... Except um,
3: everyone. Except
0: everyone. And the last time I played this, I played it at a writer's workshop a few years ago. And I won and felt horrible because that's what... Cards Against Humanity does if you're a halfway moral person, as it makes you feel horrible. Um, so I got a chance to do that again. And it was interesting to see sort of insight into the lives of my daughter's friends' parents um, and the things that they that they decided to put together in Cards Against Humanity. So that was, that was an amusing experience. I also played a, a round of Werewolf with them, which was moderately successful, although I think they were not 100% sure whether they were comfortable Getting into the mindset that werewolf requires, and you know, I, I I feel like the next time they'll be more likely to be into it. But they were there was a little bit of a you know learning curve. I had to introduce them a comfort curve, if you will, that I had to bring them into. So, um, but otherwise, it was it was a nice uh, it was a nice New Year's. Have you, have you heard about Cards Against Humanity's various marketing stunts over the years? No, but I can't imagine that they're anything more than horrific. So apparently,
2: <laughs> uh, for Black Friday in two thousand and fourteen, um. Cards Against Humanity ran a promotion. Um, Let me see. What was the nature of them? I'm trying to see.
0: (sighs) Okay. They randomly killed someone on the street.
2: So for the promotion, I guess the language was, we hate Black Friday, so we're only selling bullshit this Black Friday. Oh, I remember this. And... They were selling the game like five bucks above the normal price and then so people they would send people the game who bought this and also a box of excrement. And they sent out thousands of boxes of excrement. Thirty thousand.
3: And people people were really upset. (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine. They were like, I thought I was buying bullshit, but I didn't really think it was bullshit. Yeah. 'Cause they advertised it like very clearly. They're like, it's bullshit and people are like, What will I get? Um Yeah, they got shit. <laughs> Literally.
0: That's true. Uh it's a, it's
2: a yeah. great position. It's to be one just some company where everyone expects you to be offensive and that's your job kind of. It's like being the it's not even the Lewis Black. There's gotta be an even more uh kind of antagonistic comic out there who's just just a hate monger
0: like like andrew dice clay on steroids right like where where you just and and the result of it is you get done with it and people are like i can't believe this is horrific and you're like well i'm cards against humanity and they're like oh cards against humanity you highly offensive company we you know like yeah i mean it's it's if you want to be offensive it's the perfect job for you Uh, i love
2: that this one particular person made an unboxing video when this happened and while he was unboxing the the excrement he actually like broke it in half just in case there was a card hidden inside the nugget, the nugget, <laughs> oh the nugget of excrement.
0: He's like, it can't it gotta be. Be could it? it could be in there, no. That's wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's so it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing. It's very popular. Chris, it's popular on Twitch as well. Um, and it was, it was funny because I had somebody had told me they're like, oh, this is t-, you know, I think it was a couple of my viewers were like, this is something you totally have to do. I'm like, yes, we'll title it. Arv, my nickname on the channel, Arv, ends his career in three easy steps, you know? Uh, I mean, just, like, you can't, there's no, because it's very little way. Like, you can, it's like, I'm trying to think of an example. There are certain games that you can't half-ass if you want to have any chance. Like, you, you might as well just not play it. Like, you just can't finesse it. You can't finesse cards against humanity. You can't be like, okay, here's like a goofy dad-style joke. Or even like something which Story and I particularly enjoy, bad puns. You can't you can't throw in a pun. People will be like, what? Like, it only works if you sort of get yourself into the mindset of being horrifically offensive. And I don't like being horrifically offensive, which is why I never buy or would play this game on my own. But, you know, when you're asked to do it and it's, you know, you don't want to be that guy doesn't do it when everyone else is doing it man all the kids are doing it so that was that
3: definitely sounds like your philosophy
0: <laughs> so yeah so that was that was that was that was uh, the experience i mean it was okay it was fine um but it was just one of those things where you're just like wow I, it's amazing like and and some of them had the incredible ring instead of being funny they were just factually true so there were things like, um, and for those of you who don't know, Cards Against Humanity basically is you have this card, uh black card, which is drawn, and the black card has like a question or has a blank. So it'll say something like, uh, the war on Afghanistan was really great for blank, right? That was that, one of the actual black cards. And so, um, and then people have a bunch of white cards that were passed out initially, and they have words, they have like phrases or words or things on them like Donald Trump's uh, toupee and... Um, penises, you know, like, and then the other things that are far more offensive that I can't even get into um, that they say. And so you have to find one that you think will uh, be the one that the reader, the person who's got the black card that reads out the card will find the funniest, right? Or will find the most interesting or will be the sort of closest to it. So in the case that I gave you about the black card, the Afghanistan one, the cards that came out were things like the war in Afghanistan was great for explosions, was great for dead babies, was great for oppression. And what, like, and, we, and there she's reading about, like, the reader's reading about, and we're like, there's no laughter we're just sort of nodding like every single one is like was you know was good for hurting national relations was good for like i mean everything we're like that's hilarious pretty much yeah so she was like um and also that yeah i will choose um cluster bombs and we're like yeah let's go on like it's really it was just it was just truth it wasn't even funny it's just like okay that's yeah there you go it was not you needed for something like that you needed like you know Johnny Cochran's glove, or you need, some, you need something that's terrible, but you need something that was, like, completely off point, point. and instead we just got a lot of stuff that was just true, just by definition, and so that occasionally happens with it as well, but anyway, um, but it was still fun hanging out with them. but man, Cards Against Humanity, man. And, and then there's a common bond, right, because if you've done that with people that you're going to see again, and clearly I'm going to see these people again, you, you sort of all look at each other and you're like, hey, hey, what's going on? Not too much, because you know that they know that you know that we all know what we did on New Year's Eve, and and the kids were playing by the way because they were up the whole time. So the kids would come down the stairs, and we'd be like, "Well, the biggest ass," <clears throat> and the kids guy go flying by like shouting songs like "Let It Go" from Frozen or something into the kitchen. Then we're like, "Okay, um, Han Solo's," you know. Dead sister, or something, you know, like, and it just goes on from there. Like, and it was so playing in and around children. Oh, hey, also not we, so easy to do with cards. Have we today.
2: all seen now seen the Star Wars movie? We have, yes, everyone's seen because we haven't talked about the Star Wars movie. We have I now. figured we would talk about out that of, at some point out of respect for people who hadn't seen the Star Wars movie,
3: right? But now by 2017, everyone is, <laughs> yeah, it. and by the Star
2: Wars <laughs> movie, of course, I mean Rogue One, the right? One right. <laughs> you mean, yeah, exactly. you mean The Force year. Goes Back to Sleep, yeah. which is the latest. <laughs>
0: Uh, the latest one yes um, yes uh, I saw it What your, your thoughts I'll start with the trading card guru I want to know how many trading cards you got to see the movie first mm, I would have liked oh, to
2: see more ball. of Ponda Baba and The Force Awakens <laughs>
0: um, oh
2: god it's my favorite cantina patron with one arm um, I, I, I it's I'm conflicted because the movie was just objectively fun yep it was yep. just objectively competent it gave, it clearly watched that extremely long series of critiques that I love so much, the Red Letter Media <laughs> series, did. on yep. how bad the prequels were, because it was like a point-by-point point, There like, were a lot preface. of
3: over-the-shoulder shots still.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, but at least it wasn't all the flat shots. They had the perspective shots on the Death Star, and it seemed like they were, like, J.J. J. Abrams was taking notes directly from these critiques. Oh, yeah. And, and, yeah, I mean, obviously there was a ton of fan service and requotes and references and the whole movie was pretty much a new hope. Pretty much the same. Um but I I found it stupidly enjoyable. I really enjoyed it. Even though my analytical brain goes, Of course you enjoyed it. They just served you like a refurbished dish that you've loved before. I'm like,
0: Yes. Yeah, but I like that refurbished dish. But well, a this is what the had a should have have lightsaber been
2: anyway. thing and that was cool. Yep. <laughs> Han and Chewie made fun of themselves a whole bunch and that was fun. So. I,
0: I, I 100% agree. Um, I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, again, I will say that I said this at the time right afterwards that the J.J. Abrams hate has to stop. This, guy, uh, this guy's a good director. You can I'm not saying it's perfect or that he's perfect, but he's now taken, in my mind, two franchises which have the most rabid, most nitpicky Sheldon from Big Bang Theory style fan bases of all time and figured out a way to get both of them not to kill him as he rebooted both franchises. All right,
2: but what well, before and... we talk about J.J. Abrams' legacy, though, I mean, couldn't you argue that if you're put in the position where there's, you know, a four billion dollar purchase of the Star Wars IPR by Disney on your shoulders and you need to relaunch this brand, like and you have a choice of what you're gonna feed the audience of this brand. Like, wouldn't you just take maple syrup out of a teddy bear and just put it in a spoon and put it in their mouth and not try to challenge them at all and not do anything that would be mildly offensive to the genre or to the
0: characters. Like, I'm not entirely that sure where we're going here with this metaphor. <laughs> That's
2: what this movie was. I mean, That's the movie, yeah. The movie is fun, ultimately forgettable, except that it's, you know, you remember it fondly along with your already integrated memories of the older stuff. And it didn't smell or taste at all like the prequels that everyone hated, which were flat and inhuman, but super ambitious. This movie, not ambitious.
0: Oh, I, well, I, I don't, which part was ambitious, the trade disputes or the uh, super exciting racism? I, I, I don't know. I wasn't, Um, I thought the prequels were so bad that I could kind of understand. I, I, I felt like, I don't know. I felt like the movie was, I've actually talked to a lot of people, a lot of big Star Wars people too, who actually think this was better than the original trilogy. Not all of them, but like most, a lot of them I hear are putting it over return of the Jedi I wouldn't go that far. I would put it like my ranking is always Empire. I mean, I is the put best. all the
3: prequels above Return of the Jedi. So let's, I just don't. To be clear, that's okay. You're
0: irrational. <laughs> um, but for for most people, most rational people, I planet. also don't
3: hate the prequels like everyone else. Oh in the world. God, that's okay.
0: All right. That's okay. Well, we'll send you the excrement box, that, that which is what the prequels are <laughs> actually worth. To me, to me, it goes. The, the ranking has always been Empire Strikes Back is number one for me, and then New Hope is second. Return of the Jedi, well, although I like it better than some people do, but I, Return of the Jedi comes third. Force Awakens, then uh, excrement, rocks, eggplants, tomatoes, <laughs> raisins, and then um, the prequels. I think it's somewhere in there. So that's I. I um, so I really, I really enjoyed the Force Awakens. I do think that it was a movie that. There was no chance you would have any, even though it was a reboot, it's a re in a way. It was a reboot which relies upon i mean it it isn't it isn't. It's also a continuation of a story, but it is kind of a reboot. And it's a reboot that relies on your understanding and having seen the first three movies. But at this point, my attitude to that was sort of like, listen, if you've never seen any of the movies, like if you don't know anything about Star Wars, are you gonna go see this film? Because I feel like I, I feel like it's a lot such a did. part of the cultural yes, lexicon at this point. My girlfriend, a lot of you did. will. I uh, well okay. I mean, my feeling is Star Wars is so much a part of the cultural lexicon at this point that like people, the the person who goes and is like, "Who's Darth Vader?" I just don't know that there were that many people there like that. Like even people who haven't seen the movies know what you're talking about. They're like they've heard the name Luke Skywalker well, that, that somewhere. That also begs a sure. question, you though, know? which is, can so. you
2: watch this movie on its own merits without Thinking or feeling anything about the original six movies, in my opinion, no. As a movie, no, I don't think so. But I, I don't think so. But I don't think
0: it needs to, because I think it's there are very few things where you have such a cultural back sort of backdrop that you don't need to do it. It's it's such a phenomenon that that I, because one of the things I realized watching the film, which I which I really enjoyed. One of the things, not perfect. There's definitely issues with it, but I really enjoyed it. I really liked the characters. I really liked the protagonists. I'd also like to go on record as saying that I think that the actress who played Rey was very attractive. Just gonna say that. Um, but I, I, I thought I really enjoyed the characters. I thought it was way more human and sort of and felt much more real than the incredibly flat, computerized. Look, I got some toys. Let me play with them. Prequels. So I, I really loved the sort of humanity of it. Um, but I feel like part of the sort of Star Wars experience at this point is I, I realized walking out of the theater. I'm like, I had forgotten how much I loved Star Wars because the prequels had burned it out of me so completely. And I was so like, you know, Hayden Christensen, said, what the bleep is this garbage? Samuel Jackson fans are so here. Check out. I get my own purple lightsaber because I haven't been in enough movies to you know qualify it that year and all this garbage. I, it was such garbage that it was such a joy to be like wow Star Wars again so like do I think it was way above it no I think it was like probably four out of the four movies but it's like it's in that group but as opposed to being like set
2: so low I know I know years, it's totally that...
0: true totally true I think you can definitely enjoy it if you enjoyed the middle three I don't think you need to have seen the prequels to appreciate this but I definitely think if you did see the prequels and had that burn into your psyche that you could you could appreciate it more if you saw this afterwards you Some know people
2: so. argue that the opening line of the movie which is uh, one of the characters uh, handing over an ancient relic and he goes this will begin to make things right again is is J.J. Abrams trying to yep. calm everyone down about the prequels and how totally with dead. Max von Sydow too <laughs> yeah. you know
0: the other thing he got too by the way he got a lot of these guys both Finn and Ray, of course were basically no-name you know actors before he got them um, and he wanted to sort of create the same sort of image I thought they did a good job of like handing off the torch from the older generation, more or less, from the older generation to the newer generation, without making it feel like there was just too much kind of, like, wallowing in nostalgia. Obviously, it relies a lot on nostalgia, but it wasn't like... The whole movie was not Han Solo's movie, you know what I mean? Like, it definitely... I felt like the new characters got their own sort of, you know, their own kind of play. And the biggest thing for me was, and I have to say, this was a very moving part of it for me to get serious for a moment... It was nice to actually have a film where you felt like there were people that were included that weren't before. I was sitting next to um, this guy is African-American, and we got into this conversation before and afterwards, and he was talking about how he'd always loved the Star Wars franchise as a kid, and he'd always felt like he was watching someone else's story. And one of the things he loved about this movie was he's like, I didn't think that I was Finn. He's like, I'm not saying that I was Finn, but it was nice to actually see the possibility that the story was being written that didn't just include the same white cast. That I mean, leave aside Lando Calrissian, who doesn't show up until you know later anyway, right? Like, there's that. That's basically the one
2: black A-wing pilot in Return of the Jedi. The one one black A-wing pilot pilot yeah
0: but come on those are not those are not legit characters though Now you know
2: i know they're not legit characters because neither one of them have star wars cards see (laughs) there you go that's
0: what i'm talking (laughs) about but i was really he said he really it was i found that very moving i found it very moving and i also found the tears of the conservatives who were yelling about the idea of having a black stormtrooper delicious so that was that was nice um so i don't know i really enjoyed it i thought i agree with you it was fun certainly not perfect but i definitely left it and felt Star Wars psyched again in a way that I hadn't felt leaving any of the other you know previous movies after Return. So I don't know that that was that was my thing. Not perfect, but I definitely liked it a lot.
2: Can I can I make a thesis real quick? And you, sure. you guys can poke holes in it.
0: Um, I want to hear stories. Take too, because he, he, he yeah, disliked it right. more than the prequels. I've been thinking about this a lot. I I think Star Wars. No, I
3: didn't. I didn't dislike it. No, I, I let's be clear. I did not dislike it more than the prequels. I okay. just my 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 opinion is that that the prequels are much too beaten up on and that the, the same flaws that people find with the prequels, while I can observe them are pretty true of the original trilogy. I got in you. my opinion. I got you. It's just, we forgive it because we love it and it's the nostalgia and it's like, guess what else had wooden acting and corny dialogue, the original <laughs> movies. I got you. Uh, so I got you. That's mine. Gotcha. Question. Go ahead, Russ.
2: Um, I think star Wars is a religion and it's not just aping a religion. I think that it over, you know, a few decades has become like the predominant religion of most secular Americans and possibly people from around the world. And, you know, not only because. (laughs) Well, I was I was waiting. I was like, will he limit this at all? No, no, he won't. No, I think (laughs) because it's, you know, it's based on monomyth. Right. Well, let's say take what are the aspects? How do you define what a religion is? Right. You have maybe you have a deity, maybe not. You definitely have rituals and practices you have congregations and meetings places that you go to talk about this thing or be involved in this thing you True. have paraphernalia that so you recognize what religion people are from because they display their various paraphernalia mm-hmm. like it, it hits all the check boxes man it's all it these also things
3: has to affect most of your behavior in life or at least yeah. you should believe that it should yeah I most do of think- your behavior
0: I'm going to actually support Russ on part of this, although I was really wishing he'd limit it a little bit. Like, the case just got more and more open, and I was like, all right. He's like, and quite possibly the world and perhaps every other religion that has ever otherwise existed. Um, I agree with Russ, actually, that I do think that – and the example that I'll cite – Because of the conventions and conferences that I go to on a regular basis, I see a number of people who are in this position. I think, by the way, that Lord of the Rings comes close to this in certain circles, but I don't even know that the impact is as large as Star Wars is. Um, I do think, actually, that the impact of Star Wars has been so great on many people, not just a few, that it actually has literally impacted a good significant portion of their behavior. Like, I have a guy that I know is a friend of mine, a writer friend of mine, who named his kid Anakin and his second kid Scout. And named them both not just because of the movies but literally like said that part of what got him through because his son Anakin has been through a very difficult had like had a very difficult birth and like there was a question of whether he was going to live a whole bunch of stuff and like during the darkest portions of this guy's life he said that literally Star Wars saved him not just as oh I really like this movie but like the philosophies the principles the right and he would classify himself pretty clearly as an atheist I think but the movie really had this impact and as a, I mean I'm probably a little bit more of a Star Trek guy than a Star Wars guy, although it's pretty close. I'm, I'm, I am I'm, might be Star Wars-y more. I don't know. It's very close. But regardless, I I see the impact that Star Wars has had on a larger section of the population. So I actually agree that there's something to this on your part, Russell. although I don't know about all around the world and right, through so universes unknown. But
2: Let's say I think that Star Wars is currently the most compelling worldview for more Uh, as many or more people than Christianity. I think people pay lip service to Christianity because it's part of their familial traditions, and obviously there are people who are true believers who are actually devotees, but I think there are just as many Star Wars devotees and a lot more people who like Star Wars genuinely, even if they don't consider themselves a zealot for Star Wars. But like that number of people I think outweighs the actual
0: religious. Don't you see them unifying, though? don't you see them unifying in some regard that like there there are a lot of people who unify their own sort of religious experience with the Star Wars experience and tie them together? I mean, I've I've seen many Christian sort of interpretations of Star Wars. And well, and like I, I think and obviously Buddhist interpretations and others, but I'm just saying, like, you know.
2: I think it's certainly within the interest of uh churches to Co-opt as much Star Wars language and motif <laughs> as they can. Please open your dude, lightsaber to Psalm number down, five. Star Wars is on the way up, so they want to grab. You the don't contents. think any
3: of it is going the other way, Russ? That maybe <laughs> and low Christ figures written into Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> well, so before, what? The Egyptians would be like, come where where Lucas on. Lucas is like.
2: Are you really putting <laughs> yeah. Egyptian characters in your New Testament, Christians? And really? No, isn't this just Horus all over again? Christian? Baba the hot did
0: say to his <laughs> flock, "Uba dibaka ha, yeah. ha 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 ha.
2: Look, there are common elements, and this is the the Joseph Campbell influence on the original script yes. of *A New Hope*, which is that he put these very generic. Um, Monomyth aspects that you have a descent into the underworld and that you're killing threshold guardians and you learn and you return home as a conquering hero like right. all the heroes journey stuff is in there, but that's common to almost every religion on the planet. So Yet more evidence that Star Wars is just following that same rubric to be what it is, which is a religion.
0: Well, I mean, also that, you know, great storytelling tends to follow certain recognizable patterns, you know. So that's why people don't get being like, oh, God, Romeo and Juliet, more love. You know, like, I mean, like, Star-Crossed Love is a great story story engine. And uh, the Monomyth is a great story engine. I would point out that although a lot of people like to sort of shove the Joseph Campbell thing into the Star Wars mythos, Uh, sort of, but, you know, there's lots of adjustments to it. I don't know that you can make an argument that Luke, in quotes, returns home. You know, he goes back to his dad, but I don't know that that means he doesn't go back to Tatooine. He doesn't go back to, in uh,
2: in Return of the Jedi, he's back at Tatooine.
0: Not, but but then he leaves again. Though he 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 doesn't return. The, he doesn't like return there and stay to report what he's learned. He returns so that he can steal people away from it again. Like it's yeah. more taking away from the place where he already left. Certainly, I'm not in by the way arguing the overall point. Like obviously, there was a lot of the Campbell mythos. Although really, Lucas was basing it on the samurai. It was basically space samurai. Sure. But I mean, I, but, but he did, like, actually consult with, I think he went to Campbell Lectures and, like, consulted with him about the
2: script he was writing. That so doesn't I surprise me. Direct, yeah. It doesn't
0: surprise me, but, like, uh, to be perfectly honest, you get this from fantasy and science fiction people at times, at the time especially. Now I think they've gotten, try to be even more academically serious. And you got people, basically, who would say, like, I have consulted with blah, blah, blah. And what they mean is they listened to a lecture and then they wrote what they were going to write. And then they're like, so, right, this is sort of like this. And if you look at the cloud this way, it's like a dragon. Like, I mean... Mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing, oh, but I don't and, think there's a huge and I mean, academic emphasis. I agree on it with in
2: the you movie. about the compelling story. Like there are lots of compelling stories. I found sneakers, uh, the Robert Redford movie. River Phoenix oh, that movie, was a like great, an movie. incredibly, movie. incredibly oh, compelling story. So but good. you know, how many people are walking the streets right now making references to Mother, like Marty, friend, or like <laughs> yeah, or doing or doing any of the great. Uh, Ben Kingsley, uh, weird mafia guy talk from that movie. Like, nobody does that because it's not – that's just a good story. This, though, is has a kind of cultish
0: – But you know what else is the thing, All right, let movie, me uh, the thing about that movie, though? The thing about that movie, though, one thing quickly, trilogy. Not a trilogy. And I think the trilogy helps because it gave it scope and pace. At a time when you didn't have a lot of movies that were trilogies. Basically, think about the movies in our life that are that are big in the same way I would argue Star Trek has this series of movies sadly they're, some of them are terrible but they have this series of movies that gain epic proportions how about The Godfather Godfather Part 3 was not very good comparatively but well, Godfather 1 and Godfather 2 was epic precisely because you had two movies that were epic in the but same it's just way it's
2: very difficult for Lord directors Rings, and producers to walk away from that much money if their movie's that popular it's hard for them not to make a sequel
0: I guess but is sneakers really a trilogy driving thing anyway go ahead story I'm sorry but I just wanted to <laughs> trilogy
3: i'm gonna play you know. devil's advocate with russ's argument about the innate power of star wars and okay. say that it's entirely commercialism and marketing which was very okay. well done those and are not mutually exclusive the- by the yeah, way so so was the, <laughs> those the, are not mutually the exclusive.
2: printing press was all just commercialism and marketing of the bibles which were not easily distributed back then and now and then they were, and then people use them to inform their lives more
0: than And before. then story, they sold Gutenberg's Bible in Allentown, Pennsylvania, ten years after everyone else did, which was really weird. When I drove through there, and I'm like, "Wow, people are still reading these Bibles ten years later." That actually happened to me with Star Wars figures, but anyway, sorry. I mean, like, I don't,
2: I don't really disagree with you. I mean, certainly we know that you know Ewoks okay. selected to be in Return of the Jedi because the studios asked for a more marketable character to be put in the movie. Right. Like, there are many examples of uh, George Lucas exploiting his own IPR even before anyone else did like Disney or whomever.
0: Well, um, and by the way, can I just say part of the impact of this movie? I was thinking about this the other day. Lucas may have been more influenced. The Star Wars movies may have been more influenced by the personal life of their creator on a movie-to-movie basis than any series we could think of in history. For the following reason: if you guys read an interesting article about this, you may know that one of the big sort of prevailing—everyone uh, knows that the Empire was not Lucas who directed it, basically, right? It was the other guy whose name I never remember, but who's him. yeah, who's really, really good, right? So people know that. What they don't know is that the first Star Wars movie was largely edited by the Oscar winner, she won the Oscar for this, Lucas's wife, who was this um, film student when he was a film student and they ended up getting married, she was basically the one who put together the edit of the film of Star Wars and was like incredibly good at it. So much so that he would go back to her, like for example, in the original Star Wars movie, Kenobi doesn't die. And she was the one who was like, "Uh, why are they going to the Death Star? There's no tension. There's no punch here. So she was able to give him, also Luke, not you know Darth Vader being Luke's father, not his original assumption. The person who gave him that idea was his wife. So when he got divorced from his wife, wife the movies kind of went off the rails in the same way. The prequels are indicative of his super kiddiedom, because right at the time, he had young children, which is why we get Count Flippin' Dooku, which sounds like something a three-year-old would make up, because a three-year-old did, because his kids were the ones who named freaking Christopher Lee, the great Christopher Lee, as Count Freakin' Dooku, and General Grievous. And I'm not arguing that Star Wars has ever had good names, but oh my god, Dooku? Like, and that's what happens when you have a guy whose personal life is So intertwined with like the movies themselves that like as good things happen to him as bad things happen to him we kind of got to see it played out on screen by the quality of the film I don't know I just I haven't thought out the theory totally but I think it's so interesting how much of his personal life really played into these movies. Yeah, that
2: was part because he partly because he was no longer in check by anyone who was too powerful. No one could edit him. True, could say no to anything he said. So without a wife or someone
0: who could step in. You could possibly imagine. Well, no one struck him imagine. down. <laughs> no one struck him down. Story. That's what happened to J.K. Rowling. Same thing. The latter books not as good because she needed someone to edit her. Wow, but just, so so story. I tell am, me more about what you think about the movies though. What like so you said you liked no, them I mean, I, or what? I
3: I largely I mean I largely agree. Again, my my opinion of all the Star Wars movies is flatter than anyone else's. You know, like and it's all pretty positive. Like yes, there were some moments that were a little bit grating in Episode One, and yes, Episode One is probably the worst. But like. Really, I think they're all pretty fun. They're all pretty equally enjoyable, like certainly by Revenge of the Sith, like things are pretty good in the prequels and comparable to certain, you know, and I definitely am on the train that Return of the Jedi is not great. This movie, I mean, I largely agree with Russ's assessment, but like, I thought it was amazing. I was really, really pleased with it. About an hour after I left the theater, I'm like, wow, that was actually the same plot entirely. Um fascinating uh i've seen that movie before but still good <laughs> <He> i <did it. laughs> totally liked it um, so
0: I mean, it, you know and it was, was aware of itself it was yeah. like yeah i was aware
3: it's like
2: another death star yeah. yes another death star well there's always yeah. a way to blow it up don't worry but
0: it was aware of it though like i mean <laughs> yeah, as you say exactly. like it, it wasn't it wasn't sort of like defensive in in its sort you know like i don't know In i think well, it yeah, knew that I it was mean, doing so,
3: that right i mean i think it was just a vehicle for you know and and i'm torn about that like I mean on the one hand I am a nostalgic Star Wars fan I went at midnight to all three of the prequels like I obviously really enjoyed being catered to in that way and so it was really (laughs) fun but it also feels like I don't know it just it feels like if you were going to design and construct something that was you know just made to print money and made to placate people and put them you know if I think like when I put it in the context of what I would like to do with, with my writing or my art, like, which is often to make as people as uncomfortable as possible to make them think, it's like, there was nothing I had to think about or worry about. It I was all good. To, you know, it's just like, this yeah. is as far from something that I would ever make as possible, even though I really enjoyed it because it was designed to make me enjoy it. Because, you know, it's kind of like someone just feeds you painkillers the whole time. And you're like, wow, I'm really, this is really great. And it's like, objectively I was feeling good, but at a certain point it's like, but there's two reflect
0: on the experience
3: after a while. And it's like, that was
0: really empty, but I, still feel really good <laughs> but I do want to ask about that though because yeah. I think I think you so that's an excellent point I'm also by the way very happy to hear that you guys despite the sort of reservations are fairly happy like not doing the cynical hipster thing of like no it's garbage because all new things are garbage and this is also garbage like I, I'm appreciate that I got a couple of those and I had a hard time with those people because it was just like come on man like it, you can certainly you know what you guys are doing is a very intelligent reasoned way of looking at it but the people who are like this is a terrible movie because it you know shut up like it's not terrible movie I I do think I do think though that uh that your that your argument you're making is an interesting one but I would I would guess I would say if you look at it from Disney's perspective I would say Disney has been handed right two major world defining franchises as far as like fandom and fantasy geekdom and one of those is the Star Wars universe and the other is Marvel and this is over the last 10 years right so what did Disney do? Well, and what they could have.
2: When you say by handed, you mean that they specifically targeted. Oh, they bought it. Of course <laughs> they did. No no, 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 no. I don't. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Of course,
0: of <laughs> course they did. And, they, and of, of course, of course. No, no, no. I'm not going to argue any differently. Of course. But that, but that doesn't. But so what though? Like the point is, they still have pressure to perform. Now you could argue, of course, if the Star Wars franchise absolutely face plants, is Disney going to go out of business? No. But the point is, still, Disney is very conscious of its brand and of what it wants to represent, and it's very careful about sort of how it presents stealing itself. Stealing your
2: right? memories away and so, selling them back to you oh for God. a profit. So here
0: here's the point. Job. My argument is this is not I don't They're my argument doesn't guys. need to be pure in motive though to make this argument. I'm sure that there were lots of fiduciary concerns. That's fine. The argument I'm making though is that here they are and they know okay, so we've got this franchise that basically had three you know with with the exception of story clayton like smiley face story clayton waves at everyone besides this guy everyone hated the prequels okay and everyone hates the prequels for a variety of reasons but basically we know that we don't have a lot of chance to get this right if people are going to sort of stick with us in the marvel universe it was the same thing they're like all right. The superhero movies, there have been some good superhero movies done before, but let's be fair, a lot of the superhero movies have had some issues with them. Witness Green Lantern, or they could go through numerous other examples, right? So what they did was they produced a relatively safe series of Marvel movies to begin with before getting to ones that I think are edgy and push the envelope. For example, Captain America Winter Soldier, which is a, shockingly to me, because it's being made by a big budget place, Um, a shocking critique of civil right surveillance, uh, you know, the sort of the Patriot state, the the Patriot Act state, all that stuff, right? Winter Soldier is an excellent movie that asks a lot of difficult questions. I think if you start the movie sequence with that, I don't know that the Avengers goes anywhere as a movie sequence, right? Certainly not to the same degree. But because at this point the engine is such that even freaking Ant-Man can succeed, they know that whatever movie they put out At this point, they can ask whatever questions they like. They can be like, sure, Joss Whedon, go and do whatever you want in Age of Ultron or whatever. Like, we don't care. Go and do what you're going to do. And all of a sudden, people are like, wow, that's really cool, and we'll go along with it. So I feel like in this case, I think that the jury on what you're saying story is out until we get to the next of these movies. If the next movie is basically a rehash of Empire... Well, sure. then that's not going to work out, and I'm going to be totally with you and I'm gonna be like, all right, come on now. But if the next movie really is sort of moving the story forward, having sort of handed off the baton with an overlap, which is kind of the way I imagine it, um, leading into Force Awakens, then I'm cool with it, right? Like, if it's the same garb, if it's the same thing, if it does the exact same thing and it doesn't take any more risks, then I'll be with you. But I feel like... They are thinking about this in terms of a longer arc, and so the real question is, movies two and three, if we get two really solid good movies out of two and three that ask, that sort of push the envelope a bit, and people go see it because now they're so into Star Wars, maybe the comfort level was worth it, you know, to establish. I I would think, so, I don't know, my thoughts.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I, the, in the metaphor, you're kind of saying, well, we've been given the painkiller for the surgery to come and the surgery now will amputate. make us all better. And, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I, sure, I would love to believe that. As long as BB-8's in it, I'm happy. So, that's, <laughs> Right. That's true. Also,
0: some uh, the other thing, by the way, really nice to have a female protagonist for a change who doesn't have to get saved. That's nice. Yeah, I'm no, really happy about plan. that. No, no getting saved at all. And in fact, is constantly aware of it and constantly makes reference to it without making the other guy somehow emasculated in comparison. Like Finn's cool by himself, but he's just, you know, Ray is a badass. And that's that's awesome. You know, and I love how everyone is like, she's a Mary Sue. She's a blah, blah. And I'm like, I love how the only time we start caring about whether someone's a badass and can do anything is when it's a female. Otherwise, it's like, well, you know, here's the following reasons, training, lore, here's what explains it. But because it's a woman, we're like, look, could anyone really do all of this? Could one simple woman do all of these amazing things? I just find it interesting what we decide to turn the meter of uh, op- you know, the, the eyebrow raise on for some of that stuff. I don't know. I find that interesting.
3: Yeah, no, I, it's it's nice that they're embracing diversity for once. That is definitely welcome as a change. Um, yes, yeah. it's wonderful that
2: they've rebooted the series with 2016 demographics. It's very nice. Let me say this. That's true. Since there were no we're, women or
0: black people, as we know, in 1978. No, so sorry about that.
2: Let me say this, given that we are constantly speaking in a digital time capsule. I think there will come a point maybe four or five, five years from now, maybe, where everyone is sick and tired of Star Wars uh, because there will be a movie coming out every single year. Disney is going to hump this into the ground. And, like... Look, I'm sure that they're going to eventually get to the point where they'll start hiring like revolutionary, controversial right. directors to direct Star Wars movies, because they'll have to, because right. people will be like, not another Star Wars movie. They're like, wait, Lars von Trier Star Wars movie. And be like,
0: Uwe <laughs> Boll
2: Star Wars movie. Okay. <laughs> I would pay big, big money to see
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> Uwe Boll Star Wars movie happen? involves him punching a stormtrooper in the face. Like, that's but then, all then
2: they'll do that. And so then you'll have weird, artsy, <laughs> nonsensical Star Wars movies, and then maybe they'll be an overreaction back you'll have a very just basic reboot of the reboot to set people up for the next thing but, but eventually wait. people are just going to revolt and say no more
0: and but wait Russ wait 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 will wait, not wait, be though.
2: done with it because they'll be like this is our investment there's even more no
0: I know but wait we'll though pump Russ more of your childhood memories out of your head just you're wait. leaving something out of this though because keep in mind while the movies were silent You know, the engine of Star Wars was enormous. I mean, Clone Wars, everyone keeps telling me how Clone Wars is a series, this amazing thing that I have to go see, or Rebels, the TV series, I mean, or Rebels, or Knights of the Old Republic 1, one of the great role-playing games ever made, or Knights of the Old Republic 2, one of the fastest role-playing games ever made. No, like, I mean, you know, like, different... It's Star Wars The Old Republic. Like, there's tons and tons of games and books and things like that that are not just fan service, but are done by legit people that people really like, and that stuff is constant. Like, you can't turn anywhere without any of that Star Wars. So, I agree that, like, you know, Aunt Mabel in, you know, Missouri maybe is not going to be high on Star Wars six years from now, but don't you think the younger demographic that's like, yes, this is our Star Wars, they're going to get sick of it? i don't know i mean i don't think they're getting i think they're looking for everywhere they can get it because it's such a big universe that seems to have so much range for them that you know they're getting it everywhere anyway just not in movies per se but they get it in tv series yeah, and knows. all these maybe, other things maybe you know?
2: it'll be like fast and furious where you can just make a new movie every I year mean, yeah
0: what is that up to eight nine that. like hello
2: the, you know hey what's going on oh that's the end for me you guys we've come <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: you have reached the okay. deadline well yep. it is it is actually the end of an hour and we want to thank everyone for uh, listening to us again we hope the force will be with you if you want to find out more about us check us out at mepreport.com and uh we hope all of you will agree with me that the prequels are hot garbage and should be sent by cards to humanity to everyone who likes them say goodbye everybody
1: Goodbye. See ya.
0: you. You will not be thinking about a Star Wars. For the last
1: time I saw old man, he mew, and, He was chasing a female, he knew him. As he shot past, I heard him say, oh, She can't fly, but I'm telling you, She can run the pants of a kangaroo. She can't fly, but I'm telling you, She can run the pants of a kangaroo. Well, there is a moral to this ditty. Um-ba-da-da-da-da-da. Crash can sing, but he ain't pretty. um but da 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 Duck can swim, but he can't sing. Nor can the eagle on the wing. emu can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can round the birds of a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cook bar laughed, and he said, it's true. um but da 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 ah He can run the ah ha ha